Alaska's newsmakers. Action Line, K-I-N-Y. Good morning, and today we have our guest, Carl Yucatil. He's the port director of Juneau. A very busy man, because we are a fishing capital. Everything's about the ocean and ports. Welcome. Ken, thanks for having me, and uh, welcome to Juneau. Thank you very much. So this is a very busy year for you. Um, you have a budget that needs to be approved. You're looking at waterfront development and uh, many more things on your agenda. Let's start with waterfront development. Yeah, so uh, you're right, Ken, that uh, Docks and Harbors never takes a break, that we're busy year-round, whether it's uh, a commercial fishing season, the cruise ship season, the boating season, and then the off-season, where uh, especially uh, this time of year, we're engaged in a lot of uh, administrative work. We're involved in uh, uh, starting a process to, to hire our summer folks. But uh, to your question specifically, um, one of the items that uh, I've been working on the last uh, a month or so has been uh, direction from the city manager uh, to engage in a very comprehensive uh, waterfront development plan. So uh, what I've got and what will be presented uh, to my Docks Harbors board tomorrow night as well as to the assembly on Monday will be a request for a proposal for master um, port planning. So what we're going to do, um, because of all the interests in uh, along the waterfront from several developers, Huna Totem Corporation, uh, the Coast Guard with um, um, plans for an icebreaker, with Gold Belt Inc., uh, with our own um, development plans for a small cruise ship investment, um, we're, we're going to take a uh, the lead. The city is going to take a lead in doing a comprehensive. Uh, master port planning that will continue from uh, the Hunatotum proposed dock all the way down to the Seadrome dock. So that's going to be interesting. The whole idea is to synchronize the efforts of all these individual entities that are going to be have uh, plans and desires to, to build out the waterfront. Yes, the waterfront development. How long has it been in the negotiations, in the planning stage, and, I mean, when's the last time we had a major project in Juneau? Well, we've had major projects every year along the waterfront, whether it's uh, um, the cruise ship docks or we have uh, smaller projects at uh, any one of our four small boat harbors. But um, the, uh, the, you know, the, obviously the interest with Huna Totem to develop uh, an uplands and a uh, cruise ship dock that's capable of, uh, of mooring Neil Panamax-sized cruise ship. That's been front and center ever since uh, NCL deeded their property to Huna Totem. I think that was in, in August. So uh, I know Huna Totem wants to get going on uh, their planning, and uh, uh, we, we certainly do not want to slow their, their efforts up at all. They, they have communicated that they would like to be um, in operation in uh, spring of 2025. And I think that's a, um, we should all be um, working towards that goal of Huna Totem having their, their facilities up and running um, in a couple years. There's a meeting on Monday uh, with the city uh, and your, your department to go in more depth about this. So what do you plan to accomplish in it? Yeah, so... Um, we have a Docs Harbors board meeting tomorrow, and that, that meeting for your listeners will be at 6 o'clock, um, vice 5 o'clock. Typically, all of our Docs Harbors board meetings uh, commence at 5 o'clock. However, because there's a special 
Assembly Committee, the whole meeting tomorrow at 5 p.m. Uh, my board will be attending that. And then at 6 o'clock, um, going up to room 224 in City Hall for the, the board meeting. And uh, part of that um, discussion will be the, the RFP, the request for proposal for um, basically an engineering planning company to help us um, uh, harmonize the waterfront with these individual entities. But on Monday, uh, the assembly is going to be asked to approve funding that project. So there's a um, kind of a two two prong uh, efforts. One is the actual RFP, and the other, uh, maybe more importantly, is having the funding from uh, the assembly to move forward with. Uh, um, advertising and uh, interviewing companies for this uh, this work. After that, uh, when do you think groundbreaking will occur for this project of the Huna waterfront development? Well, Huna Totem will, I'm sure, is going to continue to work w- um, with their partners for the uplands um, and the efforts to uh, build a, a cruise ship dock. It takes about a year, um, and there's all, uh, other, lots of, there's permitting issues, there's approval issues through the uh, assembly and through the planning commission. Uh, there's gonna be a need to acquire tidelands, both from the city and borough of Juneau, as well as from uh, Alaska Department of Natural Resources, which owns uh, the furthest most waters in Gaston Channel. So there's a lot of, uh, again, planning that needs to be accomplished to make sure that uh, um, that the assembly is, uh, that we have a well-planned waterfront, um, and then there will be um, permitting and conditional use um, requirements uh, through our CBJ ordinances. But do you think construction will begin this summer? It won't be this summer. Um, the draft request for proposal that I'm proposing um, has, uh, it's about a nine-month effort just to do the uh, the planning to make sure that uh, Huna Totem's efforts, uh, CBJ's efforts, uh, the Coast Guard efforts, the Gold Belt's efforts are all um, thoughtfully considered and that we have a local uh, planning document that we can... Um, all get behind. So that 2025 date, is that a groundbreaking date or the completion of the project date? Well, Huna Totem has articulated that they want to be in operations in 2025. So one year of construction and development. That would be reasonable, yep. All right, very good. And moving on to other topics on your agenda in front of you. Yeah, so uh, again, we, all the um, CBJ departments and the enterprises, uh, which Docks and Harbors is an enterprise, um, have been busy putting together their budget for um, FY24, which starts on July 1st. So tomorrow the, the board will be asked to approve a uh, uh, agenda, or I'm sorry, a, a budget for the next fiscal year. And uh, for the most part, um, our, our budget is pretty solid uh, or um, consistent, I'll say, from year to year. Um, the, 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 uh, the, my board has reviewed the budget over the last uh, several Docks and Arbors board meeting, and that's on the consent agenda. So it's uh, basically our, uh, 
our docks and harbors, which are two separate enterprises, but we have a, a budget of about uh, $6.5 million between the two enterprises, the dock enterprise, which is cruise ship docks, and the harbor enterprise, which is our small boat harbors and, and launch ramps and other um, ancillary facilities that we maintain. So that should go fairly smoothly. And then uh, we're going, we also have a, uh, we're going to have a, an appraiser brief the uh, the Doctor Harbor's board on uh, another effort that we've got going, and that's to uh, uh, potentially sell some tideland properties to uh, the company of Hanson Gress, which is at the bridge, and uh, they need to acquire some property to do some um, um, some repairs and some uh, renovations. So the the Doctor Harbor's board it will be considering moving a the process along um, to sell um, a certain amount, maybe about 5,000 square feet of property to Hanson Grass, which would allow them to better utilize the building that they, they currently are, is on. So that should be, that'll be an interesting discussion with my board and our appraiser. And you mentioned uh, the Aurora Harbor. Yeah, so we have a... Uh, um, as your listeners know, we have four small boat harbors that uh, uh, Docks and Harbors is charged with maintaining, uh, Douglas Harbor, Harris Harbor, Aurora Harbor, and Statter Harbor. And so at Aurora Harbor, um, over the last, uh, I'll say three years, um, we've demolished uh, the north end of, of Aurora Harbor. And uh, then through our partnership with the Army Corps, they came in and did maintenance dredging. And uh, over the last uh, really six months, um, we've been expending efforts to do a in-house design uh, to replace or to add the next main float at um, Aurora Harbor. So uh, we're hopeful. Um, we've had some supply chain issues and some procurement issues with uh, uh, some long lead items, primarily with electrical Systems and uh, we are going to we're going to have a bid um, for that project in March and so hopefully if everything goes um, smoothly we'll have a, a contract in place and we'll have a contractor on site late summer this year to um, it'll be about a four million dollar project uh, to build out the next. Um, the next main float in um, Aurora Harbor, and then we'll have two other main floats uh, left to uh, rebuild in the in the coming years. Very good. All right, we're talking with Carl Yucatel, Director of Ports and Docks and Harbors here in Juneau. We will return with more conversation with him on Action Line. Action Line continues, K-I-N-Y. And I'm talking with Carl Yucatel, Ports Director here in Juneau. We have a little cleanup that's been going on with a tugboat that sank, and I'd like to ask you where we are with that. The tugboat, uh, again, was Tagish, owned by... Yeah, so the the, ta- the tugboat Tagish, um, uh, it uh, sank at the, nor- at the uh, National Guard dock on um, December 29th. It is owned by uh, a local resident, um, Don Etheridge, and... Um, so where that's at right now is uh, the Coast Guard has federalized uh, the, the cleanup effort. So what that means is uh, they have uh, 
funds that they can draw from from the oil spill liability trust fund, which is a, a national fund that's um, that receives uh, fees for throughput through um, like the TAPS or other petroleum pipelines. So, so the Coast Guard has this pot of money that they can open um, for the effort of of um, creating um, for for paying for um, cleanup efforts. And so they've done that um, and they have hired a local contractor, uh, John Molino with Molino uh, Marine Services. And he has a subcontractor, Hamilton Construction. Um, they're out of uh, the North Lynn Canal area, I think uh, either Haines or Skagway. And they'll be mobilizing a, uh, a high capacity lift barge and should be on scene here uh, later this week uh, to begin um, the salvage efforts. So the, the Coast Guard uh, efforts will be to um, recover the, the, uh, the vessel, make sure that there's no potential um, release of petroleum, and at that point um, the responsible party um, will then uh, execute a contract with um, Molino to uh, have the have the tagish removed from um, the area, I believe they're taking it down to the Puget Sound area. So the decision was to remove the boat because there was talk about just leaving it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I never heard that discussion. Oh, no. Uh, I, all right. So that is our the, the, the National Guard dock is a, a dock that uh, um, I, the, the docks harbors overseas, and so. Um, yeah, leaving a, a sunken vessel at that location would not have um, been a that that was never an option. Okay, well that's good to know. It, they said it wouldn't interfere with cruise ships coming in. So that's correct. So the location where it's at, it's it's out of the. It, it is not. Uh, it's not a navigation hazard to any um, to any um, navigation for vessels getting to the uh, the. Um, the Petro Marine uh, fuel dock or uh, cruise ships coming in or fishing vessels going into the Taku dock. So it's it's um, tucked away. It's not a nav hazard, but uh, it's not a facility that we would allow a 107-foot uh, tug to, to remain forever. Right, right. And when do you think it will be removed? Well, they're going to mobilize uh, um, this week. They were supposed to mobilize last week. They were uh, delayed by weather. I believe a tug is coming from the Anacortes, Washington area, and uh, the barge will be coming up from um, from from uh, Ketchikan to conduct the work, and Mr. Molino will be overseeing the salvage efforts with uh, local divers. So by the end of the month, it'll be gone? Um, assuming everything goes smoothly. Again, it's a Coast Guard operation right now. Um, that's their their responsibility, um, and they have contracted with a, a local contractor. Unusual to see a boat sink like that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it happens. Um, First uh, pipes. Yes. So, so most likely, well, again, I'm speculating at this point, but it's certainly we had a a cold spell where you can imagine that uh, many. Um, pipes that had water froze and they um, maybe burst a pipe and they were it was fine for several 
weeks after they became frozen and then as they thawed uh, it was opened up to the to sea and you know once once your hull is um, breached it doesn't take long for a vessel of that size to to sink let's talk about cruise ships it's big cruise ship season coming up expecting maybe more passengers the goal is over a million million at least yeah and then I don't know if I would say it's a goal, but that's that's kind of the marketplace. That last year we had 1.2 million um, passengers that that arrived via um, large and small cruise ships, and um, we know that last year they sailed with at about 74% um, capacity, so um, they weren't they weren't full on average, and we think that. Um, what we hear anecdotally is that uh, the market is strong and people want to travel and emerge from the pandemic and that um, the cruise lines will be selling um, at a higher capacity. Uh, that capacity could be as many as 1.65 million uh, this year. So uh, docks and harbors, we do uh, what we can to manage that. And uh, there is uh, um, for your listeners, if there was an interesting discussion at the Assembly Lands Housing Economic Development Committee on Monday, that uh, the city manager teed up a, an, uh, a very compelling uh, memo about cruise ships and how they affect the uh, um, kind of the direction that uh, cruise cruise ships are going and the ability to manage that. So I would encourage people that are interested to. Um, check out that that meeting and that memo that uh, the city manager put together. What was the city manager's overall, pers- you know, view? I think he was just painting the picture of the challenges that you have with um, trying to manage uh, to a certain level. Um, you're managing international corporations, uh, typically the, the big three: um, Carnival Cruise Lines, um, Norwegian Cruise Lines, and Royal Caribbean, and. So they all have their own interests, and they are uh, somewhat loosely um, connected by CLIA, which is a um, um, kind of a lobbying organization. But as far as making um, effective changes, uh, as far as reducing the number of passengers, the number of of, of port calls, that's just a it's a difficult um, situation to to effectively manage. What, what is the difficulty? Well, because, um, you know, first of all, they're, they're mobile um, platforms and uh, that we have in Juno, not all the uh, cruise ship docks are under uh, private. Two of the four are under um, private ownership. Two are under CBJ ownership. And so, um, there is a demand to come to, to Juno, and so the 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 vet we don't we don't have a there's not a way to say we only want um, this size of vessel or we don't want uh, we, we want to limit the number of visits. They're legally uh, it comes ver- becomes very problematic. It's a difficult job you have. Oh, it's not. Yeah, I mean the the you, city. You have to walk a fine line sometimes. I mean the city has engaged <laughs> in this uh, this process um, very deliberately since 2020 with uh, 
the completion of the Visitor Industry Task Force. Uh, there was recommendations from that Visitor Industry Task Force, which called for um, only five, you know, a recommendation of of five cruise ships visits per per day, and so those even that is is, is difficult um, when you have when the CBJ doesn't have control of um, of all the docks. So that's something that the assembly is, it continues to wrestle with. And again, that's kind of uh, was teed up in a very eloquent manner by the city manager on, on Monday. And there is a head tax. Every time a passenger gets off that ship, the city makes money. Right. Well, that, that that's correct. So the, there are three head tax, actually. Um, two are local head tax. One is called the Marine Passenger Fee, which is a $5 per person tax. And that is set up to mitigate the impacts of a of, uh, large number of passengers coming to Juneau um, every summer. There is a $3 port development fee, which is... Um, designed to pay off the debt on um, investments for um, along the waterfront in support of the, the cruise ship uh, industry. And then uh, we also receive $5 through the state, uh, <clears throat> um, there's a state head tax called the Commercial Passenger Vessel Excise Tax, and the state recoups $5 uh, back to every port that that ship um, uh, every port call that that ship makes. So um, on average, we're going to get $13 per passenger that comes to Juno. So, you know, when talking about 1.2 million, um, that's going to be upwards of, you know, $15 million that uh, the city has as a result. That's, you know, that's direct result of having the passengers and then all the, all the indirect uh, benefits of uh, of cruise ship industry, which includes um, employment and uh, the, the taxes that uh, CBJ collects through um, the visitation, which is in excess of two hundred million dollars. So, all those things are very important to the uh, economic health of the city. Very good. Thank you very much, Carl Yokotel, answering the tough questions today in Action Line. We'll talk again. Thanks, Ken. ABC News coming up, then Problem Corner with Wade Bryson. Action Line. Weekday mornings. Action Line. If it happens in Southeast, you'll hear it on Action Line. K-I-N-Y.